Welcome to Sound Practice, the business podcast for physicians and practice leaders, hosted by Cheryl Toth and Mike Sakopoulos, and produced by Green Branch Publishing. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Sound Practice. I'm Cheryl Toth, and with me is my co-host, Mike Sakopoulos. Hi, Tothy. How are things in the great state of Arizona? Uh, well, the thing, things in the great state of Arizona are great, other than it's still hot, 101 degrees today on September... Ooh. What is it, 13th that we're recording this? Um, oh, yeah. But how, how are things with you, Mike? All good uh, here in the Hoosier State. Tothi, I'm looking forward to today's topic. You know, we're going to be discussing how to smoothly and successfully transition new physicians into a practice. Right. And it is a very important topic because I know you and I both have seen far too often where physicians don't have a great onboarding experience. They just sort of show up and the staff are like, who is this guy? Yeah, no, no onboarding experience at all, right? <laughs> yeah. uh, I think that we can all agree that that old school approach of uh, sink or swim is uh, really not the best plan. No, it is definitely not. Um, there are some better ways to introduce a physician to the practice. Uh, you agree with me. Everybody wants the new doc to fit in and work out well, but unfortunately not everyone has a plan to make that happen. Mm-hmm. In in the words of Bobby Knight, everybody has the will to win, but not everybody has the uh, will to prepare to win. Oh, that's that's good. And Mike, so unexpected from you, a sports reference. A sports <laughs> they are few and far between, Adam, I have to admit. <laughs> I love it. Well, okay. So we are going to help practices develop the plan and a strategy to have a new physician become a happy, productive member of the practice. But before we jump into that, we have one task, Mike. What would that oh. be? You know what it is. It's that time. Word of the show. All right, Tothi, what word do you have for us today? Well, here's our word for today, Mike. It is heuristic. And mm-hmm. it means, quote, enabling a person to discover or learn something for themselves, end quote. What do you think? Oh, heuristic. Oh, great word for today's episode. All right, Tothi, with that, let's begin. Okay, Mike, well, let's start talking about transitioning physicians into a practice. So there's, there's a lot to think about. Where, where should a practice start? Where do they begin with this? Well, I think, Tothi, the question is really not, not only where, but, but when. Um, so let's, let's focus in on some of the, the legal requirements. You, you know me, that, that's where I'd, I'd like to start in. Yes. Okay, so. I, well, I, I'm, I'm not surprised. I mean, of course, you're the legal, you're the legal half of this team, right? So uh, t- tell okay. us about that. Guilty is, guilty is charged. Yeah, tell so, us about that. It, okay, it, it should, should be apparent to all that we've got to start with a medical license, right? Just because you have somebody who's a, a, a well-qualified physician doesn't mean they're able to practice in your state. So we need medical licenses. And then they're also going to need hospital privileges and credentialing with uh, third-party payers. So there are a number of things that, that need to happen before the, um, the doc strolls into the, the practice and um, starts seeing patients. Right. Well, and I think that that credentialed with third-party payers is in particular um, really important. It's something that I know um, practices I've worked with, they'll forget to do in advance. It can take three to mm. six months, I think. Can't it? 
Yeah, you're 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 exactly right. And so we've got this kind of a series of things, right? Of getting the license, getting the the hospital uh, privileges, and and oftentimes they, they can't be going concurrently. We've got to try to do do things in order. So the overall process, depending upon the state and and the candidate, can be as as quick as three or four months, or or can can take you know eight or nine months. So the message is plan ahead because you're, you've got a significant uh, time period here to deal with. Yeah. And the worst thing you want is to have the new doctor show up and not be credentialed. So he or she can't be reimbursed, you know, by plans, right? Yeah. <laughs> money going out to the new doc, no money coming into the practice is, is not the, uh, the type of equation that we, uh, we want. Right. And so that's a chunk of time, like you said, for three to six months, more, four to eight months, something like that. Any tips for the folks about how they could speed up that process? Well, we're, we're, we're not going to tremendously speed it up, but there are some things Dothi, that, that can be done uh, to really help the, the process along. And some, some practices use a, a pre-employment application whereby they gather all the necessary information to start the process, whether it's a licensing process or hospital credentialing. So the information is, uh, is ready and you don't have a big lag time from when you decide to move forward with the candidate to, um, to actually being able to submit applications to get licenses and privileges. I can see where that would really help. Um, who, so if it's in the practice setting, if it's a physician organization, physician practice, the manager's got to be on top of this, probably I, I understand along with the billing office staff because sure. for credentialing and things in the hospital setting, you would have somebody in what physician recruitment or physician services that would help get get that onboarding process going. Those applications before I think the that's, doctor that's generally correct. Some some organizations have different titles for the position of the person that that's doing this, but it's it happens with enough regularity that they, they should have a, a system down to, to help move this along. Okay. But, and there, you, but oh, there's, something here we, there's something here, Tothi, we, we've got to, to warn people about because okay. in, in my experience, I've got to tell you, don't think that everything is going smoothly because, <clears throat> and with these long wait times, right? You submit things and you think, oh, well, you know, I'll listen to sound practice. They told me it's going to be a while, so I guess, I guess I'll wait. I recommend following up only the paranoid survive. And a lot of times paperwork gets, uh, gets put to the side or, or stuck under something. And so just because you're in the midst of the wait period doesn't mean that you should um, relax your guard, uh, follow up and make sure things are, are moving uh, smoothly and your, your applications are just not being overlooked. Well, it's kind of like the squeaky wheel gets the grease, right? I mean, you, you've got to follow up and call. And honestly, I think like anything, if you can get the name and a get a name and maybe a number or an email of somebody so that you build a relationship and you have a contact and you keep following up. Maybe that can help move things along. I don't know. So Agreed. Well, so let's shift to the time frame where the new physician is ready to start practicing. Um, so unfortunately, many, many partners assume that the new physician should go zero to 60 on day one, right? Like, boom, they arrived, they know everything and they should be, they have, should have a full schedule, but that's, uh, <laughs> That's, that, that's right. The uh, the old uh, restroom, third door on the right. Your exam rooms <laughs> are uh, on the on the left. Good luck. Um, so no, we, we we can't assume that. Now look, I get the desire that you have been desperate for help, and finally you think like 
the new doctors is the equivalent of the cavalry arriving to to help out <laughs> and um, free up some some time on the the schedule for you. But it you're just going to have to take a deep breath and work through this to make this uh, successful because it's unrealistic to uh, throw somebody in and without any kind of onboarding or uh, or guidance. Well, so are there some you know, some tips you've got to avoid the failures of what's really like a failure of expectations, I think, and communications yeah. early on, right? Yeah, I, th- I think that's, I think that's, that's well said. So let me give you some, some uh, practical advice that one of my, or now several of my clients do. They have a new doc come in that's a, a surgeon. They have that, uh, that physician a scrub in uh, with each of the the, the partners or, or their, their colleagues, uh, physicians of the uh, surgeons of the practice um, for a procedure or two to get up to speed. And that really um, helps people, creates collegiality. It also gives you a feel for your, your partner's uh, style and how they, how they handle things, even down to what kind of equipment is in the, the OR before you're there on your first day. It's always nice to be familiar with what's there and having mm-hmm. scrubbed in and seen it, that, that moves you down the, uh, uh, the, the line and you really get a better feel for, for the overall practice and flow of things if you've uh, scrubbed in on a few procedures with, uh, with your colleagues. Yeah, I, I remember working with a, I think it was a spine surgeon a couple of years ago, and she was saying that um, that collegiality and being able to scrub in and, you know, kind of get eased into the process was great. And, and also she was studying for her board. So she would meet with one of the, her new partners, um, like weekly or every other week to go over cases. And I, I think that really is a good in a lot of ways. I mean, it's onboarding the physician, but also really getting them kind of enculturated into the group, into the fold, right? With, with their fellow surgeons. Absolutely. I think that that's, that's important. And remember a lot of these people are coming out of, of residency where they've, they've had attendants to work with and, and, and others to, to work with, and it can feel a little bit, um, isolating or, or, or not know where, where to turn when they, they've had some infrastructure before. So it's always, uh, always nice. I can, I can tell you that another strategy um, that seems to pay great dividends without a lot of, of time and investment is to just block off times of the new, new doc to meet with the practice administer, administrator um, certainly the first week, but, but going forward, because everybody's schedule gets packed in, in 30 days from now, you're trying to pass in each other in the hallway and it's, it's not as good. I recommend blocking it out going forward for at least a couple months, maybe once a week, or as time goes on every other week for 20, 30 minutes. It doesn't have to be a lot, but that set time where you know each, everybody knows that they're going to get together and talk through problems uh, really helps uh, the process move more smoothly. You know, that is, a, I want to, I want to pause on that tip for a second, Mike, because you are spot on. I think it's a great idea to plan ahead. And, you know, we talked about your building relationship with a co- with your colleagues clinically, but having the new physician really meet over time with the min- an administrator. Let me give you an example. I have a, a colleague. Um, it's a colleague. We share this colleague and um, she runs a big group, over 40 physicians, I believe. And that's what she does as part of the orientation of every new physician. She has a standing meeting for a couple of months and she's talking about, you know, like, 
here's, you know, they, they review the AR report, they talk about metrics. And so she's able to kind mm-hmm. of like explain all the business side of things to this new physician. And especially when physicians are young. And I think in the hospital setting, this works great too, because, you, you know, it's a large organization, a lot of reports, and you can't just expect that you meet once or twice and, you know, the new physician gets it. You're, you're teaching them this business stuff and multiple meetings over time is a great way to do it. So fine tip there, Mike. Oh, well, well, good. (laughs) Yes. Um, (laughs) Well, super. So some great tips for smaller practices and larger practices too. I think, you know, depending on um, how large your group is, you're going to pick and choose from some of these things we're talking about. But um, I think we are headed toward even more interesting tips from Mike, but we're going to take a break first and we'll be right back. So we're back and we're talking about how to successfully onboard a new physician. Before the break, we were talking about ways to bring somebody up to speed on the organization and their new colleagues. Now, Mike, let's take a look at um, some specific skills and training that you think would be helpful to the new physician. Tothi, I got to tell you, I am continually surprised at how little coding and billing training younger physicians have. Just really not not nearly enough um, in that in that category to be as successful and, and safe. So high on my my list is to make sure your your new uh, physician coming in uh, has the appropriate and current training on on coding and, and billing. Mm-hmm. And I guess it goes without saying that they also have to be able to use the the, the EMR system. But but really uh, how to appropriately uh, code. And so you're familiar. I think maybe we should uh, tell the audience a little bit of, of some different sources, right? I mean, they're, they're professional societies. Yep. Um, and as you know, there, there are some, some private organizations that do uh, tremendous, tremendous uh, work on helping people learn to code and bill. You have some familiarity, right? Yeah. Well, I would say there, there's a couple of resources. I mean, first, I think in a large hospital organization, perhaps they're they've got somebody in the central billing office who, you know, has a, a training module for basic coding. I don't know. I would, I would think that more progressive hospitals and health systems do that. You mentioned the specialty societies, and that is a really good place to start because so many of them offer regional or annual coding um, courses. And I, it's interesting. You, you, you're right. I do have some coding and billing experience when I was with Karen's Upcone Associates, they partner with some national specialty societies for these coding courses. And I was always surprised when young physicians, you talk to young physicians at a break or whatever, they would just be wide eyed. They'd be like, nobody ever taught us this in medical school. And so it is super important to go to get your new physician to these coding courses early on instead of waiting a year or two, then they've developed bad habits. So as soon as you can get them to a specialty society sanctioned course or AAPC has courses and AHIMA, now they are a little more geared toward managers, billers, and staff, but you know, you, you, I think what you do is have somebody pull together some materials. I mean, the materials are all out there. Pull them together for your specialty and kind of do a train the trainer with that new physician. Hmm. And it can be used for refresher training too for all physicians and staff. Absolutely. And, you know, along these lines, 
we need to check and make sure how, and this, I guess, isn't just true for the young physicians, although it seems to me to be all the more important. Uh, we need to do some, some chart reviews every once in a while, right? Make mm -hmm. sure that the, what, what is being billed is um, mirrored in what actually took place in the, and uh, in, in it's been, been charted. So, uh, and, and, and walk through that process with the chart and the, um, and, and the coding and, and billing for the, for the doc was, is always, is always helpful. Well, and I, finally, I, I'm, I'm sorry, Kathy, go right ahead. Oh, I was going to say, well, with regard to those in-house, you know, it's kind of an in-house audit, if you will, where you're taking a look at specifically the new physician's E&M code distribution. So maybe after six months, it would be smart. I know you're, you're more a fan of like twice a year internal audits of those E&M codes, Mike, than, than waiting a whole year. So maybe right. at six months, you take that new physician, you you look at the CPT frequency report or volume report um, from the practice management system and look and see if they're kind of coding in the same sort of distribution pattern as colleagues in their, in the practice and in the state. I so. think that's a good, I think that's a, a good plan. And, and finally, one more thought on this topic before we, we move on. And that is be really clear where you want the physician to go for, for answers or if they have questions on, on coding and billing. Because I have seen situations where um, dent physicians were unclear on how to code something. And instead of going to the coding department or the, the administrator, um, they decided to go into a chat room and in a public forum talk about how they've been doing it and is it correct or not. That is not where we want these things to go, right? And there was no <laughs> ill intent, and, and thankfully nothing bad happened as a result of this. But um, you know, we got some 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 real self starters out there, right? I mean, they're they're, they're physicians, and um, they're they're going to start to search for answers. Uh, point them in the right direction. This is the path that we go for consistency's sake and for compliance sake. This is how you get your questions answered as things come up, because they inevitably will in the practice of medicine. Right. I, that's a great, uh, a great reminder because you don't want staff going to those public forums and asking coding questions and maybe getting uh, answers from not so credible sources um, oh God, or no, not please. primary sources. And you don't want the doctors to go either. So they, they do, you do need to have a point person on, um, on the staff, somebody who is sort of that central point of truth um, and, and who, who can dip into the compliance plan for that information. So you have, I know I've heard you talked about the, this in the past, Mike, this uh, Q&A log of coding questions and answers that are, that serve as sort of, this is how we handle these sorts of issues. It's in our compliance plan. So new physicians need to be clued in to where those sources are in the practice. Definitely not a, um, a an area to go rogue or um, <laughs> outside the box, right? We'll, yeah, we'll right. have a, a Define pathway to get the correct answers. Exactly. Okay, well, we've talked enough about billing and coding. Let's move over to another area that I know young doctors lack experience, and that is practice building. So the majority mm. of physicians, they come out of residence and they haven't had to put any effort yet into acquiring patients, right? Because they were in school. So that changes once they arrive at their first job. Yes? It, 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 ver it very well um, may, and, and most in many situations, it certainly does. And I think we need to recognize that, that this is something that's not 
particularly well taught, doesn't come up much, and can be uncomfortable for uh, for some uh, some physicians. So how are we going to set expectations and try to make them uh, comfortable? Certainly an effort by the practice, whether it's a social media campaign, uh, promoting and announcing the new new physician, down to things totally as simple as just having some business cards uh, mm-hmm. for, for the, the doctor, for him or her to, um, uh, to, to hand out. Uh, <clears throat> look, there, there need to be some, some instructions and introductions as to referral sources. You know, people that are referring patients into your practice but have not met or don't know about the, the new physician, that's not a good situation. So we just kind of need to have, and this doesn't require an enormous amount of money or, or time or effort, but some thought needs to be given to what expectations do we have for the physician and what expectations should the, or what should the practice do uh, to help that physician start to acquire patients and to build, build a practice. Maybe we're talking about hosting an educational event that we feature the, the, the new physician uh, at. And <clears throat> finally, and again, you know, you're stuck with the lawyer here, Tothi, we, we, need, to, we need to give some instructions on where, where lines are drawn because we don't want somebody who's overly aggressive and doesn't understand certain legal requirements that is, enter into these schemes where if you you know, send everybody from your church to me, I'll give some kind of big donation or some other kind of, you know, thing that can violate a kickback or, or a Stark law. Um, and people are out there embracing the free market system in ways that are not appropriate for, uh, for healthcare. So a little instruction and guidance here will go a long way. Well, and that's something that can be covered in those weekly or every other week meetings with the practice administrator over time, mm. the, the orientation and training of, of the new physician <laughs> to let them know some of those things, right? Absolutely. That's a good, that's a good point and a good time to be able to do that. Well, and I, I want to uh, point out, you mentioned the educational events. I had a, a manager tell me that, and this is in a smaller practice, maybe like six to eight physicians, but it worked really well. And I think it could work in the hospital too, is you know, the, she would schedule meet and greets for the new physicians and they'd go out and he, he, it was, you know, the physician would introduce himself around and the manager would have, you know, cookies or bagels or whatever sort of, and hand out cards and just sort of be there as a team, they would introduce themselves around the community. So something, nice. sometimes it's the simple stuff, you know, we're, we, you can send emails and all of that. And we're very electronic these days. And I agree, you got to announce on social media and all of those things, but there's something about that face-to-face quick drop in, shake a hand, eyeball to eyeball that really starts a relationship, I think, especially in smaller and medium-sized communities. 100% um, agree. Oh, and yep. one, one thing that just popped to mind, Tothi, uh, make sure the website's updated, right? There's nothing oh, worse point. than you go to the website and the new person that you're trying to promote doesn't appear whatsoever yeah. on it. Exactly. Uh, yeah. So get, so schedule the, schedule the headshots and there you go. The bio, writing the bio or the CV, all of that stuff has to get done in advance. That's all part of the marketing. And really, you know, you're raising all these points, Mike, because marketing can be a big task for young physicians. And, you know, it really puts us now into this area of new doctor in the community. Some, some of the onboarding should look at issues inside the practice and some outside the practice. So you've got the business cards, you've got the headshots, you've got the bio, you've got the um, website, as you mentioned, and the meet and greets and, and all of this stuff. In fact, don't we have, we're going to put in the show notes, we have a checklist 
that has a lot of these things covered to help people remember. Well, and, yes. and, it, and it is a quality checklist because you had uh, input in putting this uh, together a while back, did you not? Yeah, I did an article for the American Journal of Orthopedics a number of years ago and interviewed some great, like three physicians for that article um, that really gave some great input. And uh, Karen Zupcoin Associates, one of the physicians was from there, and he and I collaborated on this checklist. So we're going to put that in the show notes because it's still very relevant. And um, he hired a lot of physicians actually when he was working um, in, the, in a large health system. So he was very involved in physician recruitment. So I think it's a particularly good resource for our listeners. So we'll put that in the show notes. Oh, as a compliance guy, you know, I just have a particular checklist, for checklist right? Oh, beautiful <laughs> yes. thing. All right. Great. All right. But, but let's, let, let's just, as, as we kind of wrap up here, Tothi, let's think about the physician outside of the, of the practice, because okay. I think you've probably seen this, where effort is, is made to integrate a physician into a new practice or a new health system, but no real thought was given to integrating the family or the physician, for that matter, into the community in general. Mm-hmm. And I think that part of the onboarding, and, and I may be in a, in a minority view here, but to me, it seems like you want happy, healthy, successful physicians. And part of that, and maybe a larger part, is how they relate and enjoy the community that they're living in. Would you agree? I would agree. Um, in fact, I have a solo physician who has been looking for a new associate now for like three years. And um, she just brought on this new person a couple months ago and f- finally did you know extend an offer and it was accepted but over the last couple years i know that um as part of the process of even recruiting so it's like throwing this even further out for folks be- beyond just the onboarding this was a really big part of it because it was like okay come and visit and she would say you know the- here's the schools for the kids and here are the things to do for the kids this is um about our community and, you know, there's people have their spiritual community, they have their recreation, they have their children. So you are spot on. This is a very important part of onboarding the doctor is getting him or her to understand what it's like to live in the area. And I, I, th- I think you're right. I think that some recruiting firms do well and, and the health systems that are trying to recruit physicians have a bit more infrastructure and do a better job at this. Uh, but small, medium, and even sometimes large-sized practices, uh, this is one area that I see them fall down on, that they don't have someone uh, helping integrate the physician and his or her family into the the community in general. Mm -hmm. Yep. Well, let's see. So how could we make physicians feel at home in a new community? Um, I would think that, you know, uh, part of it is they get get here and – you know, I, w- I would probably think of them almost like a guest in my home or a tourist, uh, because I do, I do have a, I do have a, a manager I'm thinking of, large practice, multi-specialty, and he has come up with like this recruitment or this, um, oh, what does he call it? Well, we'll just call it an onboarding plan for now, because I don't remember what he calls it. But okay. it's all of these things about things to do in the area. And like, for example, in Tucson, we have this 140-mile path all connected around Tucson where you can ride your bike. Um, There are particular events during the year that are pretty cool, um, whether it's a cycling event or a big food event. So it's kind of like 
explaining to the new person what is uh, what goes on in the community so they get a flavor of things and and having again i'll go back to the checklist mike because you you know that you know and love them <laughs> this administrator has that as part of the onboarding plan for every new doctor that joins the group so it's really helpful ah i, right. I think that that's i think that that's great good well mike um i think that's all we have time for today and i hope we've helped people think about uh their onboarding process in a new way i mean i think you know when i look back on some of the things we've shared and talked about really is about like you started saying is you've got to have a strategy and have to have a plan and that this doesn't happen just like by osmosis. You can't do the sink or swim. You have to have some, some thoughtfulness and preparedness so that over time you really bring that new physician along both in the practice and in the community. Oh, I, I agree a hundred percent. And I also hope that, that, people have found this episode in the, the show notes with the checklist. I hope everyone finds that to be uh, useful. And, you know, and Tothi, one way we will uh, know if people have found this useful is if they give us some, some feedback, which they can do at? Feedback at soundpracticepodcast.com. Yeah, absolutely. We hope that people do that. And we also hope that people uh, join us for the next episode of Sound Practice. Don't forget, we release a new episode every other Wednesday. You've been listening to Sound Practice, the business podcast for physicians and practice leaders. Check out the show notes for this episode at soundpracticepodcast.com. If you have any suggestions about future episodes, we'd love to hear them. Email us at info at soundpracticepodcast.com. Subscribe to Sound Practice wherever you listen to podcasts. Sound Practice is presented and produced by the team at Green Branch Publishing. For the best in practice management, journals, books, newsletters, and on-demand programming for physicians and practice executives, visit greenbranch.com.